since the day of Pentecost. And we thank you. And we give your name the praise and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for this word. And thank you for a Tuesday uh, in which, well, I can just call this the Words of Deliverance Christian Center Emergency Service. Amen. Um, our text for today is vain words. Now, in real time, vain words can be conspiracy theories, false prophets, numerous of things. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the sixth verse, and it reads, Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. In other words, when someone is speaking to you with vain words or trying to convince you to, to, to sin or, or come over to their side because of those vain words, in other words, that is no excuse. What's behind these vain words is the spirit of disobedience. If you read it in Ephesians 5 and 6, the latter part of that, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So, I want to read further into the Amplified. It says, let no one deceive you with empty arguments that encourage you to sin. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, those who bitterly sin. So do not participate or even associate with, with them in the rebelliousness of sin. For once you were darkened, darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Live as those who are native born to the light. For the fruit, the effect, the result of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So we're living in a time now that there are so many conspiracy theories, so many false teachers, and we have to know within ourselves that these are vain words against God's word to persuade you or convince you to sin. Now, it's a lot of situations that's been going on in this world and it's been a lot of vain words. In other words, a lot of conspiracy theories. It's been a lot of uh, false teachers or liars or whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of works of the flesh going on in this real time. So let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Vain words. Vain, exceptionally proud or, or, or concerned about one's own appearance, qualities, achievements, etc. Conceited, a vain dainty, proceeding from or showing pride in or concern about one's appearance, qualities, etc., resulting from or displaying vanity, 
he made some vain remarks about his accomplishments, ineffectual or unsuccessful fortune, vain hopes, a vain effort, a vain war without real significance, value or importance, baseless or worthless, vain, vain display. In other words, when, when people say, uh, is my living in vain? No. That's what the clock says to say. No, of course not. But in the essence of vain words or being vain itself, it doesn't accomplish anything. In other words, you're trying to put yourself on a pedestal to make other people, to draw other people onto you, just like having these different denominations is the same type of thing. When you try to draw people onto yourself, like becoming a Lutheran or a Protestant or, or Episcopal, Episcopal, uh, they're drawing themselves to you through their vain words in which they want you to follow them. Just like I said when I, when I, when I did a teaching on uh, the denominations of Great Divide. Now, that's part of, some of, the, some of that is part of vain words because they want you to be captured into their doctrine or, or their beliefs. So, words is a unit of language consisting of one or more spoken sounds or their written representation that functions as a principal carrier of meaning. Each word means something. Every word that comes out of your mouth means something. Words are composed of one or more morphemes and are either the smallest units susceptible of independent use or consist of two or three such units combined under certain linking conditions. In other words, your, your conjunction with the words, you, you're putting all the words together to paint a picture. As as with the loss of primary ancient accent that distinguishes from words are usually separated by spaces in writing and are distinguished phonologically as by accent in many languages. Now you have rumors, is a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or doubtful truth. Now, that can, that can also lie under uh, vain words, rumors. It sounds good, but is it true? Vain words, they sound good, but are they true? That can also line up with rumors, vain words. Because once you put them vain words out there, then someone else is going to repeat those vain words and then once they repeat those vain words, then another person repeat it, then that consists of rumors. Well, I heard this and I heard that. Or it can be a cons conspiracy theory. So what am I saying? Certain words that you use can be vain. But if you're using godly words or words of, of Christ, or words of, of, of the Bible itself that are good, then you are considered a child of God by not 
using vain words or being persuaded to sin. So Matthew 24, we're going to read 1 through 8. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things that I say unto you? There shall not be left here one stone upon another. There shall not be thrown down. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of, the, of thy coming? And of the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, they're coming with vain words. When you say that you are Christ, you're particularly saying, you know, that you are it. And you're coming with vain words. I am Christ and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not rebelled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famine and pestilence earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Now we're going through situations right now in real time, in our lifetime, we're going through a lot of conspiracy theories, rumors, vain words, and most people are believing it, and the people that are believing it becomes rebellious against God's word. And the same people that are believing and doing certain things against God's word call themselves Christians. So how can you identify a Christian? You identify a Christian by its fruits. If you read the ninth verse of Ephesians 5, and it says in Amplified, for the fruit, the effect, the result of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So you know them by the fruit that they bear. If you, if you see goodness and righteousness and truth, then you see a good fruit. So you can call yourself a Christian 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, but that doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is abiding in the Father, and the Father abiding in you. The words that he has are the words that you have to speak. The Bible says, What shall ye shall bind or shall be bound in heaven. So that's what I'm saying. The word of God. In you. So when he's coming back for the church, guess what he's looking for? His word. And his word is going to be a mirror from you to him. 
that's going to be that mirror. What mirror? The Word of God. Because when he see the Word of God, that which will not pass away, but heaven and earth will pass, but his Word will last forever. So what is he looking for? He's looking for his Word that's in you. And he's looking at his image. And he's, he, he made us in his image. In other words, in his image is his word. In his image is authority. He's given us authority over a lot of things on this earth, even authority over the enemy. But we have to practice that because some of us just uh, be complacent and just let things happen. But we cannot let things happen. We have to go forth and filter our ears with vain words. When you hear someone speaking and it sounds like vanity, walk away from it. You don't have to argue with them. Walk away from it. Because there's going to be rumors. In real time, there are called conspiracy theories. We have a lot of conspiracy theories that's, that's messing up the minds of people that are on this earth. If you don't have discernment or if you don't have any part of life of God in you, then you can be deceived. And then not only that you're going to be deceived, you're going to, be, you're going to become rebellious and disobedient. Why? Because you're listening to the vain words and the conspiracy theories that's going on in this earth. 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, 9th verse, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Now listen, listen at this. The reason why Paul is saying this to the Corinthian church is because a lot of people is trying to justify their sin. And that's why Paul said, be not deceived. In other words, don't fool yourself. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners. Now, why, why did he say extortioners? People that's trying to extort you, trying to, in, in real time, of course, in, in the city of Chicago, uh, you got you got people that own certain businesses, and you get you have gangbangers trying to extort you. In other words, they have you to pay them. $5,000 a week to keep your business open. That's called extortion. And if you don't pay them, uh, they threaten you or they set your place down. But the problem is with that situation, then when they extort Kentucky Fried Chicken, they extort these local business owners. But if you have a Kentucky Fried Chicken, or Wendy's or McDonald's, they don't walk in there and extort them. Why? Because they can't do it. 
they think that they can extort local businesses because they can put fear in their hearts because they don't have any support as far as law enforcement or organizations to support them or back them up like McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken, Wendy's or Walmart. You can't just walk in Walmart and say we want $10,000 a week or we're shutting this place down. No, they come at the local weak people. In essence, they still can't get away with it, but some of them are. But eventually, they're captured. It's a felony. No extorters shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now listen. See, here's the thing. It's not our righteousness, but it's the righteousness of God. If you listen to what Paul was saying, as such were some of you talking about the different sins, be not deceived, or shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. In other words, you are cleansed. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, what I want to do is read that into the Amplified Bible, 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 9. 11. And it reads, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? This is a question that Paul is asking. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor conversely, Firstly, infinite, nor homosexuals. This is the Bible. This is not me. This is the Bible saying this. So don't say I was talking about the homosexuals. If you read in Amplified, 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, 9 through the 11th verse. It said, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor perversely infinite, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor degree, nor drunkards, nor revelers, whose words are used as weapons to abuse. Vain words. To abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander. Nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. And such, the 11th verse, and such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ when he died on the cross. You were sanctified, set apart for God, and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt, 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one and the anointed. And in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and change forever. And change behavior, sorry. And change behavior. But the forever sound good. Change behavior. So don't deceive yourself. Now, we 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 talk about a lot of things, a lot of sins that occur. And most people talks about the homosexuality spirit, but in essence, it's not just that one category. He made several of them. And most of them was talking about sex and adultery. Fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, abusers of themselves of mankind. Then he was always talking about thieves, Covets, covets people that, that, that are jealous or jealousy spirits, you know, drunkards, people that drinks all the time and just every day just drunk, revelers, people just partying all the time, extortionists, people just, just trying to take from you, shall inherit, shall inherit the kingdom of God, shall not inherit the and such were some of you when ye are washed. You have repented. You believe that Christ died on the cross and he rose the third day and he died for your sins. First Corinthians 15, 30, 30 uh, verse to 34. And why stand and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? It's another question Paul is making. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts in Ephesus, what advantage it me, advantage of me, if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now, you see, you see that? You say some, some, some have not the knowledge of God. But he speaks to your shame. Now, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So you can have good manners, but if you engage in, in, in evil communications, it corrupts your good manners. It's like, where, you hear your uh, mothers, uh, where are your manners? When, you, when, when they feel like you're disrespecting, disrespecting adults or elders, and they ask you, where are your manners? Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak to this to this to your shame. In other words, there's no excuse. Why? Because God has given your ear to hear. 
he's giving you a spirit of discernment. Some people call it their gut feeling. But here's the thing. If something don't feel right, you know it's not right. Those are just uh, human attributes that we have as a human to know when something is not right. But we go ahead and do it anyway. And then we have to suffer the consequences of taking heed or listening to those vain words. There's no excuse. If you, if you go back to Ephesians, this is what he's saying. The sixth, fifth chapter, sixth verse, let no man deceive you with vain words. For, listen at this, this is what it is. There's no excuse. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God. See that? God, coming the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You're being deceived with vain words. But that is no excuse. In other words, you should be able to filter them out and know them by the fruit that they bear. That's why he speaks about the fruit. And if this person is arguing or trying to get you, convince you with his vain words, and then not only that, he's using his vain words, but he's putting himself on a pedestal to have, it's just like a salesman or a person that's trying to get you to work for them or trying to sign a deal. Just say, I'm a music pr promoter and I'm using vain words to you and I'm showing you all of my luxury cars and I'm showing you my mansions. But in real time, I got those by using people like you. So what I do, I use my vain words to get you to sign with my company. I give you 20% and I keep 80%. And that's why I can ride around in a Mercedes Benz or, or uh, a Tesla or have a 20-room mansion with eight bathrooms. Because why? Because I've been using vain words and I capture you into my system where I'm getting 80% and you're getting 20%. And then not only that, when you go on tour and the promoter is spending all his money, but in reality, he's charging you for every time he's spend money, take money out of his pocket. So he's tallying everything that he did for you during that concert or during that, that, that promotion. So if he used $200,000 in that promotion for that year, guess what's going to happen? He's going to take that $200,000 off the top. And then not only is he going to take it off the top, then he's going to take 80% of what's left over and give you 20%. Because he lured you in with his vain words. And he showed you how much material that he has. But he doesn't tell you how he got it. Until you caught up into his web. And then you see how he got it. And now you have to try to get out of the contract. That's just an analogy of certain vain words that can be used. Vain words can be also a false teacher to get you to follow them. 
or a church that that's, that's arrogant and they're the only one saved, you know what I mean? words. In real time, it is a lot of conspiracy theories going on. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, one through five. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that they shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. In other words, I told you this the first time. Now, listen at this. Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, 1 through 5. And I want to read you the fourth verse. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Now, if you go back to Isaiah, when Satan said that he shall be as the most high, and he's going to be just like God, and just saying all kind of stuff that, that, that was technically was vain words. So this person that Paul is talking about, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sit up in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Now, I hate to say it, but it's a lot of preachers in the church, pastors, that consider themselves as God. I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying there are some that seriously thinks that because they become arrogant because of the money or they're arrogant because of the, the statue that was given to them and it went to their head so they feel like that they are God. But you have to remain humble. You have to stay humble. Because if you don't, the devil will definitely creep in unaware and not only that, you have a spirit that would love to creep into your church. And that spirit is named Jezebel. And Jezebel loved to rule. Jezebel was very arrogant. Jezebel thought she was the prettiest woman on earth. And she thought she could get Jehu the same way. So she went, dressed herself up, Duty up her face, combed her hair, put on a nice tight skirt, 
and she thought that she was going to get Jehu the same way she got Ahab, but it wasn't happening. So Ahab not, uh, was, was, was bought into that, that system that Jezebel had of controlling his government. It wasn't Ahab controlling it. was Jezebel controlling it. Ahab was just a yes man. So Jehu come on the scene. He heard about Jezebel. He's like, where, where is Jezebel at? Where is, where is she at? Who is this Jezebel? Where is she? And his men looked up at the balcony and said, there she is right there on the balcony. And guess what happened? It was a prophecy that was fulfilled a long time ago. It was said that Jezebel, that, that the, the dogs was going to eat up her blood or whatever, uh, something to that nature. I'm just paraphrasing. So they threw her down. Jehu said, throw her down. So they threw her down. So what we have to do, when you feel or see a Jezebel spirit that's trying to creep into your church, what you need to do is throw her down. Throw her down. Get her off that balcony. Because she was on the balcony, just high and mighty. And she, she heard Jehu was coming, but at the same time, she underestimated Jehu. Without a shadow of doubt, he said, throw it down. First John, third chapter, 7 to 11 verse. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Now, you hear that? Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. That's the only reason why God came down. That's the only reason why Jesus came down is to defeat the devil. That was his main purpose. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. In other words, he triggered heaven because the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now when you do some things, you feel guilty or you feel bad about it and you ask for forgiveness. But if you don't have a forgiving heart, then that's when you fall in the line of the, the, the spirit of disobedience or rebellion. And this, the children of God are manifest. The children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, if you notice, most of these writers are forestating what they're saying to God's people. In other words, they're reminding them. So we have to be reminded of some things because the devil will have you 
this 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 how the devil operates. He's trying, he tries to befriend you in the spirit. And once he befriends you, and then you begin to listen to him because he thinks that you're his friend. But in reality, he knows that he, he don't have he doesn't have any friends. Why? Because he don't care about nobody. But he used certain tactics. And he used them to use you. And after he's done using you, then he tries to destroy you and try to make you suffer through a lot of things. But just, just don't, just don't listen to him. The Bible says resist the devil and get free from him. So, Isaiah 32, 6 and 8, for the vile person will speak violently, violently, and his heart will work iniquity to practice hypocrisy and to utter error against the Lord. Bang words. To make empty the soul of the hungry, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. To fail. The instruments also of the true are evil. He devises wicked devices to destroy the poor with lying words, with vain words, with lying words. Even when the needy speaketh right, but the liberal divisive liberal things, and by liberal things shall he stand. In other words, you stand on what God is saying. You're liberal, but you, you're Christ-like. So you're against what the enemy is trying to do with these wicked devices to destroy the poor with lying words. Colossians Second chapter, I'm just rolling right along, uh, giving you some insight on vain words and being deceived and being careful because the enemy, if he can, he would deceive this whole world if it wasn't for God. Colossians, <clears throat> second chapter, 8 through 11. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Listen, be aware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcisions made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. By Christ dying on the cross, that gave you the circumcision. Now, in the natural, when you're born, most boy childs are being circumcised. And some don't. But it was a reason why they wanted to circumcise the boys. It's for protection. So we're talking about a spiritual circumcision of Christ when he died on the cross. 
He circumcised all of us. In other words, we are free. All we have to do is confess and believe. And not only believe, but just know who God is, His Word, for which is the head of all principalities and power. See, Jesus is the head of all of that. They cannot override what Jesus says. If that was the case, when they went over to the other side, and Jesus was down in the ship, sleeping, and the storms came, the winds blew, and the disciples began to fear the storm and, and said that they were going to perish. So they ran down in the ship to get Jesus. Now, Jesus, he said what? Two words? Three words? Three words. Peace be still. Now, that's, that's the head of principalities and powers. When he said, peace be still. And the wind was calm. And they get over to the other side, which was his purpose, to free a man that had a legion of devils. And you guys know the story. Hebrews 13, 9-14. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for, for sins. Now, we're talking about the Catholic people, Catholic Church, and burn without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. We seek one to come. A new heaven and a new earth. That's Hebrews 13 chapter 9 through 14. Now I want to read this. I'm sorry. Jesus also suffered and died outside the city 
outside the city gate so that he might sanctify and set apart for God as holy the people who believe through the shedding of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his contempt, the disgrace and shame that he had to suffer. For here we have no lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Which is to come. So don't be carried with divers and strange doctrines. Vain words. Some of that stuff sound good. Some of these conspiracy theories, they sound good. And they're believable in some aspects. If the conspiracy sounds like it can be part of reality, yes, you're going to believe it. But God's wrath, don't forget, is there also. John 3, 34 through 36, for he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. All things. The stain of death. All things. All the power that's on this earth. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. On him. Just imagine you have the wrath of God on you every day. The anger of God on you every day. He that believeth on the Son have everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Romans 1, 18. Romans, the first chapter, 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who told the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There was that word excuse again. They are without excuse. For the invisible things of, of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. In other words, it's made clear to you. So if you're listening to these vain words, and you take heed to them, you become rebellious and disobedient. Guess what? There's no excuse. Because the word of God is made plain to you. And you have someone to come along and try to strip that word from you with their vain words, and then have them, you looking up to them with respect because of their vain words and because of their pride and because of their, their boasting and what they have. And you can have this too if you want it. This is how I did to get it. Or 
this is what you can do to get it, or I can help you get it or show you how to get it. So vain words, be careful, because there's no excuse to take heed to vain words. Because if you take heed to vain words, guess what happened? The wrath of God is on you. And that's in Ephesians. That's not what I'm saying. That's what the Bible is saying. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, 2, 2nd chapter, 14. For ye, brethren, become followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sin away. For the wrath has come upon them to the othermost. Now, when they say preach to the Gentiles, it's, it's just talking about other races. First it was the Jews, and then it became the Jews and the Gentiles when Peter was on the housetop. And the Spirit of God, through way of messengers, of angels, sent Peter a message with different types of foods or animals to eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, because back then he was told not to eat those certain types of animals. So those animals was representing Gentiles, which were other races. So after Peter, Peter came down from the housetop, there was three, three men came to the gate of the house and begged for him to come to their house to preach to their family. And as Peter was walking, he finally realized that those visions that he saw on the housetop was not actually to eat those certain animals. But it was just letting him know that those are Gentiles and God wants to cleanse them as well. So when Peter got to the house, he preached that right now he got saved. Why? Because if you listen to the 16th verse, it says, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. To fill up their sins away. For the wrath has come upon them to the othermost. See, Abraham before he acknowledged that God is who he is and was and is to come, God spoke to Abraham, told him to get rid of all his idols, get away from his country, because he, he, he was raised in a paganistic world. He grew up a pagan, so for some reason God chose Abraham to be the father of many nations. So he called Abraham from the paganistic world into the world of 
God himself to the Savior, to the God Almighty, to the I am God. According to Abraham, he was a pagan. And God saved him from the paganistic environment. And he became a father of many nations. So, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. See, you got certain religion, I'm not going to say churches, but you have certain religion, people that are segregated from different races. And in essence, you can call them Gentiles, different races, Gentiles, or you have a church here that doesn't have any other race in their church, then you have the same church that doesn't have a race of them in their church. So it's, a, it's, it's segregated. But God is not the one that, that's doing the segregating or separation. Man has done that since day one, since uh, slavery. Separation has been there since slavery. Romans, and then I'm going to close out to second chapter 1 through 8. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. Whosoever thou art that judges, for within, wherein thou judgest another. Thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judges doest the same thing. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth against them which commit such things. And thinketh thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and doeth the same, then thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despite thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God Leave thee to repentance. But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. So, in other words, when you're around someone that's speaking vain words or trying to deceive you, and, and if that person deceives you, guess what? That deception that you receive from that person with them vain words is no excuse.
We're here to believe God's word. Without his word, we can't stand. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word, his word, his word shall stand and last forever because he is the perpetual God that never ends. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your mercies. Although we make mistakes in our lives, God, you clean it up for us because we are humans and you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for mercy. We thank you for grace. We thank you for dying on the cross and giving us a chance to be forgiven of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Thank you, God, for purchasing our sin on the cross. And we magnify you for that. And we thank you and we be forever grateful that we are debt-free according to your word because it's not our righteousness, but it's your righteousness. And we thank you for revelation knowledge. We thank you for the word that is about to go forth. Again, there's no time with God. So, in essence, it's any time God says speak, speak. Thank you, Father. Uh, today's text is uh, coming out of Daniel's. Daniel, the third chapter, 20th verse. And that is a question that has been raised in these situations. It's, it's a twofold situation, but it's the same question. What would you do? Daniel 3, the 20th verse, and, it's, and it reads, And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Now, how did they get there? We're going to start reading from the 12th verse and then you're going to see why and the reason why they got there because of their loyalty towards God and that God is the provider and our protector. So if you stand for God, who can be against you when God is for you? God is for you, in other words, so who can be against you? The 12th verse, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, they were set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Of course, you got haters in the midst of your position. Meshach, Meshach, and Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound 
of the trump, of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the sauntery, and the dixemer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now let me stop right there. See, these are threats, and the enemy holds threats to us. In other words, scare tactics. Now, if you mention the fiery furnace, now you know the fiery furnace burns. In other words, you're going to be cremated alive. So he's painting a picture of your consequences if you don't serve him or bow down to him. So he figured that if I paint this picture, then I can have them to worship me. Why? Because I threatened them and I gave them a picture of their demise. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were loyal to God's spirit. And the reason why they was loyal to God's spirit because God is who he say he is. Although you are being uh, set up or being plotted against or people want you to bow down to them or bow down to their music. In other words, listen to my tune. I'm playing a tune. I want you to listen to my tune and not the tune of your father. But I want you to listen to my music. When you hear my music, I want you to bow down to the image that I have set before you. Now, listen. The image is what the devil paints into your head. The image for you to bow down. Now, there are multiple images that the devil uses for you to bow down. Now, you have the music that represents having a party. And in the midst of that music, in the midst of you having a party, there comes the worship or the denial of Christ because they want you to serve their gods. So, the 15th verse, now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, sackbut, sultry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, whatever instrument is being played, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, here's the threat, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now, see, he thought he was bigger than God because he has a fiery furnace. And he had multiple people worshiping an image that he created in his kingdom. Just because Sally and Bob and all the rest of the people are bound down to that image doesn't mean that you have to bow down. You can be in the midst 
of that situation, but your spirit is not in the midst of that situation. In other words, you're in the midst of the crowd, but you're not a part of the crowd. Because why? You know God's word. And you're there because of the position that you have that was given to you to the, through the king. And you have haters that, that plots and try to find situations to get you to lose your position. And then divide you between the king and himself. You divided. In other words, they're dividing you from the king that gave you the authority to find out a way to snatch or take away that power that was given to you. See, the enemy wants to take away your power. And it's by any means necessary that he wants to take away your position. But if you stand firm, just like the Bible says, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're having a breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod. Your, your mind is right, is clear. You have a sound mind, and you know who God is. But the king was brought to his attention about Shamrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then the king know that they're not bowing down to the image that he had set before his people or the kingdom of his people with the music and after the music play you're supposed to bow down but how many of you know that you do not have to bow down to the enemy it may seem like he can destroy you but he cannot destroy you no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you have the power to condemn. And see, that's the thing that the enemy don't want you to know that you have, is the power to condemn. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We can't respond to that. It sounds like that we should respond to that because of your threats, because of the fiery furnace. But, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, listen, listen. See, this is a spiritual warfare. These are spiritual situations. And you have two things that takes place. Which God are you going to serve? Now listen to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us 
from the burning fiery furnace. Now, what the Bible says, have faith in God. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Whatever picture, whatever type of music, and whatever image that you have in mind, we're not going to take heed to that. The Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fear, and the form of his vestige was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke, and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, mind you, see, the devil wants to wrap you up. He wants to hold you back. But you have to know within yourself that God is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. And he also gives us a way of an escape. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Now, if you want to read Matthew, the 18th chapter, in the 20th verse, for where two or three are gathered in my name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there am I in the midst of them. So there answered and said unto the king, true, O king. Now, listen at this. The king was astonished and rose up in haste. He got up quickly and spake and said unto his counselors. Now, he was, see, the king and his counselors and all the people that were around him were watching the furnace. They was waiting on screams, flesh burning with fire, the smell coming from the human beings that being thrown into the fire. So it's like a show to them. So the reason why it was like a show to them to show fear into the other people that if they don't bow down to his image, 
or listen to his music and after the music play, bow down to the image, this is what's going to happen to them. But there is a twist in this situation. Now you have two loyalties and you have one cruelty situation that happened in this passage. The loyalty with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was to God. And the loyalty of the men of the army was to the king. And the king delegated to the men of the army to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, which is cruelty. So my question is, on both sides, including the, the mighty men of the army and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what would you do in this situation? You're being threatened. You're being told to listen to the music. All kinds of music. The harp. The flute. The whatever type of instrument that's being played, I want you to listen to that. And then after the music, I want you to bow down to my image. What would you do if you was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Now, on the flip side of that, just say you are the mighty men of the army for the king. And the king delegates you to throw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. By you being the mighty men, what would you do in that situation? Would you obey the king and suffer consequences? Or you deny the king's wishes and, and whatever happens after that happens? So what would you do in this situation on both sides. So therefore, because flames of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Abednego, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. Because scientists, science would tell you that fire burns. Science will also tell you that you can burn into ashes in the midst of that fiery furnace. So the king was astonished because science did not take place in that furnace and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counsel, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And then back to Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, two or three are gathered in the fiery furnace in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Romans, the 8th chapter, the 16th verse. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So when the music played, and the image was there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
spirit bear witness with God's spirit. And they knew who they were. You have to know who you are in situations that may seem like it's death, a death trap or it's devastated to you because of that picture that's being painted and the fear that has been pushed into your spirit and into your mind and into your heart to allow you to bow down and to make you listen to the music and after the music bow down to the image that was that is displayed before you. So what would you do? And the king asked, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto them, unto the king, true, O king, yes. We threw in three. But lo, I see one that looks like God. Now, when they bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, they use feathers. And then times, a chain or shackle placed on the feet, usually feathers, anything that confines or restrains. So they was restrained. In other words, they were mummified before they even got into the furnace. And they couldn't move because they was bind with feathers. They was wrapped up. And the king wanted to make sure that they didn't have any way of escaping the fiery furnace. So it was a chain of shackles placed on the feet, usually feathers, anything that confines or restrains. Now the cruelty of it is the state of, or quality of being cruel, cruel disposition or conduct, a cruel act, which the three mighty men did to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, what am I saying? Now, here's, here's another situation with being cruel. It causes grief, grievous bodily harm or mental suffering. Just like when, 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 uh, when you come back from the war and you're back in civilization and you, as a citizen, but your mental state has been ruined because of that war, you got harm, you got battle marks, you got mental battle marks in your mind, and then you have that is it PTSD, SD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So when you're going through, you have to, you have to definitely be praying and fasting because those are the keys that's going to keep your mind regulated. You're going to read God's word, fasting in prayer, and reading God's word, because without those three tools, then you can have mental suffering or mental defects or just, just post-traumatic stress. Then you can have battle marks for going through certain things. And then there are multiple images that the enemy tries to place in your mind to, give, to, to throw fear at you, fiery dots, fear, and control. If he, can, if he can get you to fear, then he can control you. So it's faith 
over fear. And this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. They had faith over fear. Now, even though, even if God does not deliver us from this fiery furnace, just remember, O king, that we did not bow down to your image. We did not listen to your music. Well, we didn't have a choice. We, we, we listened to the music. But after the music played, we did not bow down. So what am I saying? You're going through situations. You see these images. You hear the, you're hearing the music. And after the music played, the devil expects for you to bow down to his image. Don't bow down. Resist. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And that's what Paul said. Put on the whole armor of God. Because that's what it's going to take in this battle. We are in a spiritual warfare. Judges, the 16th chapter, 21st verse. But the Philistines took him put out his eyes, we're talking about Samson, and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with feathers of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Now, they used a female to trap Samson. And her name was Delilah. In real time, this is what some people do to trap people. They have sent the opposite of sex to you, to trap you. In other words, to throw you off and, and play some music that you wanna, that they think you want to hear. And then after they play the music that they think you want to hear, then they want you to bow down to that image that they have painted towards you. In other words, a destruction has taken place. So we have to be sharp. That's why the Bible says the word of God is sharp. Then any two-edged sword is powerful and quick. In other words, it's quick thinking. If you're in a situation and you hear God's word, that is quick thinking in your situation. The word of God is quick. It's moving. It's speaking to you in the midst of your situation. It's, it's letting you know this, and it's letting you know that. That's why it's quick and powerful. And that's why it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Both sides. God can cover both sides. But if you have to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If you don't have an ear what the Spirit is saying to the church, then you cannot fight off the enemy. You're listening to the music, and after the music played, you bow down to the image. Why? Because you haven't had an ear to hear what the Spirit said to the church. In other words, you have to bear witness with God's Spirit. The Spirit itself bears witness with our Spirit that we are the children of God. Remember that. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Samson, he listened to the music. He bowed down to the image. But God gave him a chance to destroy 
the people that took away his strength. Listen, back to the positions. See, the devil don't want you to have any positions, any authority over him, so he tried to snatch the authority from you. Now, when, devil, when the devil uses people, he uses people that are in power or that has authority in this earth or that has power in this earth. If you don't have power and authority in this earth, he can't use you because somebody else can shut you down that has the power to do so. But if you have that power, then who's going to shut you down? Nobody. That's why the devil seeks and try to find who he can devour. So if he got power, he's going to use that power. And not only that he's going to use it, after he's done using that power, then he's going to use that same power against you. Listen to me. These three men, the mighty men of the army. Now, this goes back into the slavery days in our time when you had the police fighting against people that was trying to fight for their civil rights. Now you got three mighty men from the army going up against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now you got these three guys going up against the three mighty men of the army, picture yourself thinking about a man, not only just him, but all the civil rights leader, leaders in our day that fought for us. Picture them going up against the army, the police. But what they had with them was the power of God. And that's why we're in the place that we're in now because of the power of God and that we are fighting up against the powers that's supposed to protect us, but in essence, it is against us. Do that make sense? What would you do? Now, that question was asked with John Lewis. That question was asked with Martin Luther King. The question was asked with Malcolm X. On and on, Frederick Douglass. What would you do? Because you are going up against powers. Spiritual wickedness in high places. The king was in a high place. He had authority. So he was able to delegate to his army. In real time, we're going through this situation right now, how uh, this certain person can use the army to threaten people that are seeking for peace and equality. So that same spirit that Nebuchadnezzar had is still here. And we're fighting for equality and peace. But the devil don't want peace. Because if you get peace, then there's no division. 
there's no confusion. So it's a hand-to-hand combat with the spirit world, with the enemy and God's people, his angels are fighting on our behalf, and the demons are fighting on the devil's behalf, and the people that he that allow him to use him are fighting on his behalf. So it all boils down to that. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, spirit bear witness with God's spirit. Not only did they bear witness with God's spirit, they knew who they were. They was part of Abraham's seed. And they knew that. So, what am I saying? There are a lot of different types of music that's being played. And there is an image behind that music to want you to bow down. Mark the fifth chapter, fourth verse, because that he had been often bound with feathers and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the feathers broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Now we're talking about the man that was in the tombs, when Jesus and his disciples were headed to the other side. And the purpose of them heading to the other side, his disciples did not know that Jesus had plans on casting out a legion of devils. So Jesus was laying in the cut. In other words, he was down inside the boat. And, and the winds blew, and he, and he got kind of crazy, and they thought they was going to perish. So they went down in the boat and asked Jesus if he cared about them perishing. So Jesus said, oh, ye a little faith, peace, be still. And the winds would come. The weather was changed. And they got over to the other side, and they saw a man in the tombs. He was, he was possessed with leaders of devils. And he was possessed so when they bound him with feathers and chains, he broke them off because of the strength, because of the allegiance. And, and, and Jesus Ask the legions, what is your name? And they said, well, my, my name is Legion, for we are many. Imagine that. All of them spirits in that one man, legions of demons. Now, if you go to Jeremiah, and I'm going to close... God, Jeremiah, his words that Jeremiah has spoken unto all the people, saying, Thus said the Lord, He that remaineth in this city shall die by the sword by the famine and by the pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the challenge shall live, for he shall have his life for a prey and shall live. Thus said the Lord, this city shall 
surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army. We shall take it. Therefore the princes said unto the king, We beseech thee, thee. We beseech thee. Let this man be put to death. Talking about Jeremiah. For thus he weakened the hands of the men of war that remained in the city. In this city. And the hands of all the people in speaking such words unto them. See, see people don't want to hear bad prophecy. They want to hear good prophecy. If you speak in bad prophecy, they want to destroy you. You're not of God. We, we got to get rid of this guy. He, he's, he's, he's speaking bad things to us about our city. That it's going to be destroyed. It's, gonna, it's, it's not going to be prosperous. Let's get rid of this guy. For this man seeketh not the welfare of the people, but the hurt. Then Zedekiah, the king, said, Behold, he is in your hand. For the king is not he that can do anything against you. Now listen at this. In real time, we have a person that says the same thing. What the king Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hand. For the king is not he that can do anything against you. It's in your hands. Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Micaiah, the son of Hamlech, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords. They, they just let him down, no letter. Just let him down with cords. And there's no way out. In the dungeon... There was no water. So, in other words, when Jeremiah prophesied to the people that it was going to be famine and that they need to leave the city. So, what they did was try to reverse the prophecy and put it on Jeremiah. So, there was in the court of the prison that they let down Jeremiah with cords in the dungeon. There was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Now when Edomlech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. The king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin, Edomlech, went forth the eunuch out of the king's house and spake to the king saying, my lord, the king these men have done evil, see cruel cruel things in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophets, the prophet why would you do the prophet like that? he's trying to help you, he's, he's telling you to leave because it's, it's nothing but famine here, go leave the same thing God said to Abraham, get out of thy country. The reason why God told Abraham to get thee out of thy country because it was a paganistic area that he was living in and God wanted to bless him. So he told him to get thee out of thy country, away from our kinfolk, and I will bless you. I will take you out of the paganistic society so you can praise and worship me that I am God and that I may bless you and take you away from the idols 
that your people worship. In other words, they are bending down to the image and listening to the music of their people, which is a paganistic society. So these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. So the prophecy already has been fulfilled. There's no more bread in the city because why? Abraham prophesied about the famine. Then the king commanded the eunuch, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence 30 men with thee and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he died. Now look at God. You got, you got, you got one person. You got one person that's in your corner. Although you, you spoke a bad prophecy, it, I wouldn't say it was a bad prophecy, I was just saying it was a warning to get out of that country or to get out of the city because it's going to be famine. The same thing that Joseph told Pharaoh. He told Pharaoh to set up his storehouse because there is a famine coming. And Pharaoh listened to what Joseph said about the famine. And Pharaoh and Egypt were still prosperous because they listened to the prophecy or they listened to the warnings of Joseph. But the king, king's people, wanted to destroy Jeremiah because of what he said to forewarn them to get out of the city and there's going to be a famine. So in other words, what am I saying? He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. What would you do? The people threw him in the dungeon. The mighty men of an army threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace by the delegation of the king. So if I delegate to you to do cruelty to someone, what would you do? Would you take on that task and, 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 and do what I say? Or would you tell me that I, we can't do this? Because why? It's going to be on you. It's going to be on you. This is what's going to happen. You delegate person that's delegating you to do cruelty to people, you still have to suffer those consequences. Just like when someone uh, have a contract out on a person and that contract has been fulfilled, guess who's going to jail? You are. So what am I saying? What would you do in those situations? Would you bow down to not being thrown into the fiery furnace? Or would you be the mighty men of, arm, of the army to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace? So what would you do? Would you be loyal to the king? Or would you be loyal to God's word? 
Because God, all souls are a mindset God. In Ezekiel, if you read Ezekiel, he said that all souls are, are mine. And the soul that sinned should die. So on both sides, those are God's people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they call them the three Hebrew boys. Then you have the mighty men of the army, which is God's people, but they just don't know it. But they're thinking that they're serving the king to them. The king is a god to them. And not only that the king is God to them, the king also had an image of a god for them to bow down to. In other words, he was testing his authority. So listen, the devil is going to try and test his authority over God's authority. So what would you do? The enemy is trying to test God's authority with his authority, which is false authority, because he is a mimic. When he said in Isaiah, I shall be as the most high. He cannot be as the most high. Why? Because he doesn't have the authority. Jesus has all power. All power was given unto me. Heaven and earth. Jesus has all the power. But the devil don't want you to know that. Or he doesn't know, want you to know who you are. See, the devil doesn't care who you are. But you have to know who you are. If he can steal your identity, like identity was stolen during, down through the history in the slavery days and before then, then that is what the enemy is trying to do now. He's trying to take away your identity. And your identity is that God has given you power to trade up on serpents and scorpions and all of the power of the enemy. Now, you have to know who you are. If he gave you that power, then you have power over the devil. Regardless of whatever image that he's painted before you or whatever threats that he has set before you to obey his voice or listen to his music, and then after the music has played, he wants you to bow down, bow down to the image that he has painted in your minds. So you don't have to bow down. Keep in mind that God is real. Amen. He is very real. And I'm going to cut off, but I thank God for his word. And we love his word. And we thank God for, for who he is. He is the I am God. He is Yahweh. He is the God of a second chance. He has mercies daily. His grace is there. It's not by our righteousness, but it's by his righteousness that who we are. Aside from the things that we think we are, we are not those things. We are part of his righteousness, so we have to recognize that, and knowing within that, that our spirit bears witness with his spirit. And that's what makes us the children of God. Father, thank you for the word. We magnify you. We give your name the praise. Bless you. Keep us. Protect us. 
guide us and give us an ear to hear what your spirit is saying to our spirit that we may line up and understand the enemy's tactics, knowing when he's coming, have a discernment and acute judgment to protect our family and friends and all of your people in Jesus' name, we pray and we thank you that we will not bow down. Amen. We will not bow down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. 